Hello and welcome to this week's edition of The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge Television. Bass Edge Television is currently on Wild TV in Canada and we will soon be back on the Versus Network January through June. This is Outdoors Dan. My co-host Aaron Martin is here. Aaron, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, Dan. Well, you know what? I'm excited. we got a good podcast this week. We always have a good podcast. We do. This is, this is kind of special. Yeah, it is. Yeah. We're going to be talking with Bass Elite Kurt Dove. And I know you know Kurt very well. I do. Uh, he's he's just a phenomenal angler. Uh, does very very well on understanding tidal water, and uh, you know it's going to be a great show. All right, we're going to discuss summertime fishing, and then we're going to have a visit with Bass Edge editor Steve Brigman, and he's going to bring us some iCast interviews, which I think everyone's going to enjoy. And don't forget, we're going to have an answer the listener email question and give away some great prizes too. It's all right here on the edge. You're listening to The Edge, the official audio program of Bass Edge. Oh, look here. I got one. I got one. Look here. <laughs> I mean, he whacked that football jig. The blades will dictate a lot of times the speed of the retrieve or the depth of that bait. Oh, good fish. Good fish. Did you see him come off that log? Whoa, look at that stuff going, man. That's awesome. You know, you've got to just stay active. Fishing is not easy. Oh, man, that's a toad. This is unbelievable. All right, welcome to The Edge. Outdoors Dan here. I've got Aaron right alongside. Aaron, what's going on, buddy? Hey, I am, uh, I'm actually, I'm dry docked. Yeah, well, how is dry dock working out for you? Uh, considering the temperatures, uh, not too bad, not too bad. Of course, uh, you know, I, I do have the inclination to get out there and try some night fishing. And uh, yeah. But now we're, we're getting caught up on a lot of things before we hit the road again, and uh, so it, it's always good. You know, I can't believe that you're sitting there saying 90-degree weather is too hot for you. 90 degrees? Man, yeah. you got to look at the temperature. It's been like 104 and 102 with heat, in the heat indexes, like 110. All you got to so, do is put your hand in the live well and cool off there a little bit. Go. Come on, tough enough, buddy. need to stick my head in there and turn the aerators on. <laughs> i got to go sit in an antelope blind this week in 100-degree weather in the desert. I don't want to hear about uh, it. Self-inflicted. Yeah, well, that is. <laughs> yeah, it is self-inflicted. Yeah. Hey, we got a great podcast going on, and uh, before we go any further, how's uh, how's Wild TV doing for Bass Edge? You getting uh, a lot of response? We are, we are. It's just, uh, like I said, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun to, uh, to finally be be able to reach some of our uh, northern counterparts there, and uh, I know they're getting a lot out of it, and uh, just the th- response has just been just been great, and uh, so we look forward to that. It looks like that will continue on through uh, through 2008 as well. So we're excited to have them aboard with us, and by all means, encourage them to uh, you know continue the responses, send in the, their email questions, and uh, they're they're part of the family now. Sure. Well, it's always neat to diversify your viewership too. Definitely. Hey, Got a question for you. I'm getting a lot of questions about plastics. What's really the best plastic to use right now, in your humble opinion? Boy, you know, you always like to pin me up against the corner, but I, I still, I am a big, big fan of, of just the plastic worm. Um, you know, it's, it's such a versatile bait, and, uh, you know, if you're fishing that through grass, um, you, you can put a, a light bullet weight on that, swim that across to the top of the grass, allow that to, to drop in the holes or the air pockets, as we like to call them, and just that slow descent, um, you know, man, a lot of times the, when that drops right down in front, of a, in front of a bass, I mean, they just nail it. Likewise, you know, fishing it through brush, uh, you, you can peg that sinker if you want, meaning where you'll, instead of allowing that bullet weight to slide up and down on that line, mm-hmm. you can actually use a, a toothpick or um, a rubber stopper uh, to where it'll hold that, that, um, that weight right up against the, the, uh, the worm itself. 
and work that through brush or flip it into up against docks to get that vertical fall. And that's just a, a, a fantastic, fantastic bait. You know, and then you, you kind of segue into some of the creature baits, which, uh, you know, there's a, there's a gazillion names out there. Uh, sweet beaver, of course, and the brush hogs and, you know, things like that to where uh, they, they resemble those, have the appendages that's coming off the side of them and uh, work really, really well for fishing up against timber and, and again, through brush and, you know, throwing, uh, throwing on those, those grass lines. Sure. Hey, we bought a camper for the family this week, and we're going to start, yeah, we're going to take some time before we get into deer season big time, and I'm going to go hit some smaller streams up in the Turkey River in Iowa, and if I can get back home, I'm going to like to go check out the Hoosaw or something like that, and, you know, smallies in those small streams are really good fishing, and uh, what's some of the trends you can use in those waters right now? Well, you know, and, and that's, boy, I tell you what, you're, you're bringing up some memories, because that's, that's really how I cut my teeth, was um, fishing uh, two small streams, um, one was called the Burbis, and the other one was called the Merrimack, and then also some farm ponds. But, you know, some of the best what, things that I always like to do was if, if you got a weekend or an evening, it was just getting in a canoe or a small boat, or now they've got these the higher technology with, with these belly boats. Mm-hmm. But I always like to, you know, scale down on, on tackle and just pick up some, uh, you know, like an ultralight or a, or a light action uh, rod with a spinning reel. And, uh, you know, early of the morning, just throw those those uh, Zara puppies, those, those small uh, top water baits, those tiny torpedoes on those small mouth around at the the head or at the end of the, of the current stream, and uh, you know just just really target fishing, hitting those isolated areas to where there's a current break, ambush points. Uh, likewise, then you you get into you know what I call the the shorter arm spinner baits, the smaller profile, and uh, where as as you float along down the stream, you know you you can make target cast at those root wads and brush piles and grass lines and rock piles. And I tell you what, I have had some of the best fishing, you know, just with just out of a canoe and throwing on on light tackle. And you're talking about a fight. Now that's when you get a river smallmouth, you know, on light tackle, and it will it, it'll definitely uh, make you think twice about who's got control of that rod and reel. Oh sure, and you know, half the fun in the summer too is just getting out there waiting a little bit and get it get in front of the of the current and get those pulls and you know. I like throwing those little crawdads. I don't know what size. What's those? What's those teeny weeny crawfish from uh, Rapala or um, not Rapala, but Rattletrap? Mm-hmm. What size are those? Uh, quarters, quarter inch, mm-hmm. quarter ounce. Quarter ounce. Yep. Yep. Those things are deadly, and when you get into those rocks and you get in those root systems, I, them bass just go crazy over that stuff. Well, and and you bring up a good point. I mean, and that's one of the things when you're, especially when you're throwing, you know, uh, hard bait. Um, don't hesitate to to get that right up against the you know the structure because a lot of times, especially um, anywhere where there's current and moving water, you know that that's going to that oxygen level is going to be higher. So a lot of times you want to make sure that you're making contact, you know, with that structure that you're throwing to. And hey, you know what? If you get hung up, especially on those scenarios, you can walk over. It's warm enough now. You just wait over and get it, or or paddle the canoe or the boat or the belly boat over there and and just disconnect, but, uh, you know, don't hesitate to get that bait right up against that structure. Sure. You know, I, I got a new premise for a TV show. I'm going to, what do you think about, we get together and we'll just, we'll do the unexperienced fisherman, and you can come on and tell me everything I'm doing wrong for 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. serious. I think people would love it. Uh, that would, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm your guy, but. Oh, <laughs> uh, come on, you're too modest. Yeah. You got those big fancy shirts, man. You got to know something. 
Yeah, they work real well for sight fishing, by the yeah, way. Yeah, you know, there you uh, go. Bright, bright orange. Keeps me from, uh, I use those mainly when I go, um, you know, on opening morning of duck hunting and deer season when I'm out on the lake. So that way I don't get shot at. <laughs> well, you know, I'll say one thing for you. You're easy to find at those big trade shows. That's all I can say. Yeah, and, and also on the water. You don't have to worry about, you know, people, uh, if, if you've got a secret spot that you want, just, just put on one of those shirts and uh, everybody in the adjoining three counties knows where you're fishing there you go well folks we need to take a short break when we come back we're going to be talking with aaron's buddy kurt dove and we're going to have some other great stuff right here on the edge give any type of boat the edge with megaware keel guard it's simple to install and we can now beach our boat anywhere if you own a boat you need one of these megaware keel guard protects the keel of your boat from sand abrasion from underwater obstructions even concrete boat ramps kit started under 140 dollars and best yet it's guaranteed to keep on protecting for life thanks megaware keel guard thanks megaware keel guard All right, welcome back to The Edge. I have the pleasure of being joined for the second time. I don't know if you know that or not, Kurt, but uh, you are the first repeat guest that we have had uh, on The Edge. So glad to have you back, Kurt Dove. Thanks for being part of The Edge. Great, Aaron. Hey, I appreciate it. It's good to be back. really had a good time the first time and, and look forward to doing this uh, second round just as much. Yeah, we had the opportunity to, to get out on the Hudson and experience some of your tidal water expertise. And uh, Dan and I was just talking a little bit earlier uh, in in the uh, the interview and the in the broadcast that uh, we're going to have that same opportunity coming up on on the Potomac, not too far away. So looking forward to that. The Potomac's going to be an interesting deal. Um, it's a totally different fishery. Be a lot of things that. Uh, we, we are able to, you know, look at and, and view in a, in a totally different way rather than the Hudson River fished for us last year. So I look forward to it as well. Um, now, you're just really on the kind of uh, about a week removed from, from the Potomac there with the BASS Elite Series, right? That's correct. Yeah, so yep. uh, now will, will much of that change, do you think, uh, between when, when you and I get there? Well, you know, I think that it's going to fish, uh, you know, a little, a little bit different. Um, you've got a whole lot of things uh, changing right now in the Potomac, um, you know, from, from post-spawn and summer patterns, and, and now we're really in the heat of summer, and, uh, you know, things are, are changing kind of into the fall a little bit here in the next month or so. Um, I think we're going to be just dead set in that summer pattern when you get here, and uh, we look forward to maybe doing some, some frog fishing and, and, and some creek fishing. So we'll get a little bit of both of those in, and hopefully we can capitalize and, and find some great fish you know speaking of which kurt when you when you talk about transition a lot of times you know obviously the the potomac is well i would consider it north i mean i that's a fair comparison and it compared to you know lakes that are further yeah we're kind of here in you know in in the mid-atlantic region which is which is not too north i mean we, we have uh distinct four seasons here um up north i think they more have three seasons they have a long winter very short summer and and no spring, you know, they just have that fall, a little bit of fall time in there. But um, yeah, more or less, yeah, we're kind of on the northern northern tier of of, uh, of the earth. And, um, you know, we do have predominantly the northern strain, largemouth here, um, and, and the Florida's strain don't, don't do very well here. So I, I think you're probably right in that assessment. We're more in the northern area, and, and we like to call ourselves mid-Atlantic. Sure. Well, and then that, that throws the, the, the spawn uh, a little bit later into... Uh, with it being just a little bit further north, that that messes with 
the time of the spawn a little bit, right? Um, a little bit. You know, down south, you know, that spawn really starts uh, February, March. Um, here in, in Virginia, our spawn is, is really in April and May. And, and when you get farther up into the north, like New York, uh, like where we fished you know, last year on the Hudson, they're kind of in the June time frame. So we're kind of right in the middle of, of the whole spawn cycle for the United States, and, and uh, April and May is our primary months of spawn. So bringing that full circle, you know, when you talk about post-spawn, um, you, you had mentioned a little bit earlier being, you know, really on the eve of, of that, or I should say on the, on the latter side of that, you know, yeah. transitioning into the full summertime pattern. You know, anglers that are, are trying to figure out and trying to find out where those fish are located, you know, what is that transition process and, and really where's the starting place? Well, that starting place really, you know, goes right in, it starts in June. Um, again, you know, going back just a little bit to give you the cycle here in our area of the country in that kind of longitudinal line of, of really the whole United States right across the middle of it, you know, that April and May you have the spawn. The post-spawn, what you're talking about right there, starts in that June time frame um, and kind of runs right through mid-July. Um, then you start getting into the summer patterns in late July and really the hard, true summer patterns in August when it, when it really starts to get hot. And then in September, we start to go into those fall patterns a little bit. So, you know, those are our kind of three distinct lines that are really the primary fishing seasons. So um, right now we're working with that post-spawn in that June, mid-July, and really transferring here into that hardcore summer, summer cycle as well in August. So then, you know, how, does that, how much does that affect, you know, say, for instance, fisheries not only in your area, but, but for instance, you know, like the Potomac, I mean, does that, does that reposition them uh, drastically, or, or are we talking about short moves? No, it really does. It, it, the, it, the, the fish move short distances, but how they relate to the cover and really the type of cover that you're going to be fishing changes drastically from June through September. Um, I think we should probably start talking a little bit about the cover that the fish are utilizing. In June and July, we're really dealing with mostly milfoil, and uh, milfoil is easy to penetrate. You could flip a jig in it. You could, uh, you know, fish a spinnerbait through it. Um, you could fish a rattle trap in it, you know, like small crankbaits. There's a lot of things that, that can penetrate and be presented to the fish very effectively in those time frames. Uh, and, and, again, I'm talking about that post-spawn time frame of June and July. Um, and the fish are very active in that time. You know, probably the best time, one of the best times to fish the Potomac is that time frame because the fish are very vulnerable. They're really feeding heavy after the spawn. Um, they're getting ready, and the water temperature is in that, that primary zone where their metabolism is high, and, and they're just eating a lot of food in that time frame. So th that's one of the great months to fish. Um, and utilizing that post-spawn time frame as far as the activity level and how those fish are are relating to pieces of cover and structure really make it a great fishing time just because you can catch tons of fish in that time of year um, right around, you know, the old spawning areas. But, uh, again, those fish are utilizing that grass there. So then transitioning then into the summer, are they still keen on, are, are you still looking for milfoil, or have we transitioned into a different type of grass then? It really is. Um, you know, the grass is, is adjusting as the, the cycle of the year adjusts. 
what happens here on the Potomac and, and other areas that mid-America, like Gunnersville and, and some of these other great grass lakes. You could even, even get over to Minnetonka and Minnesota. And what starts happening is that that hydrilla will start to take over the milfoil. And so our grass becomes much more dense, and the water temperature increases quite a bit. So the fish become less aggressive as well. So in that August time frame, which, you know, for me is on the Potomac here is, is hardcore summer. You know, your water temperatures are getting to the high 80s. The fish activity level is down. Even though their metabolism is high and they're, they're eating quite a bit, they're not, not moving around a whole lot to eat. So you really have to kind of hit them on the head. And what I mean by that is that when that hydrilla starts to grow, which is a very much denser weed than milfoil, and kind of takes over the milfoil, the fish aren't moving around as much, and, and we have to use different techniques to penetrate that grass and catch those fish. So when you talk about, you know, everybody, you know, talks about the, you know, the denseness of grass, but backing up a little bit on, you know, are you, are you more or less keying on edges, or are you, you know, are you trying to actually penetrate the mat and, and what's called punching, you know, and dropping that lure and getting that lure you know, to sink through that or, you know, all the above. Right. Well, you're, you're focusing on all the above. You, you kind of want to look for multiple patterns this time of year. The, the two patterns that you're really looking for is the, the dense vegetation pattern, you know, and that's what you're talking about, the punching, you know, using ounce, ounce and a half weight with a small plastic bait, um, you know, rig Texas style, and you're actually fishing the dense vegetation that, finally will create canopies underneath that those fish are living in. And um, you're punching, you know, meaning by punching, using a heavy weight to get through the dense vegetation to drop near, you know, within a foot or two of the location of a fish so that they'll react to it and obviously eat the bait. We pull them out with 65-pound braided line, very heavy action rod, so that you can pull them through that, that dense vegetation. So that's our first, you know, pattern that we can look for. The second pattern that we can look for is high current areas. And uh, you can do this on any river system, you know, like the Potomac or Gunnersville, you know, the Tennessee River, and even in lakes and streams, you know, in other lakes or impoundments, you know, you look for things, you know, like coming out of creek mouths and, and channel swings and those types of things that are going to have more current. What's happening there is your water quality is so low in the backwater areas because of the high temperatures, the fish are really relating to, you know, moving water, you know, higher oxygen, a little bit less water temperature, and you're going to find them moving up and down the grass edges in these areas so that they can, you know, keep the water moving through their gills and feeling more refreshed with the high temperatures and, and you know, the high water temperatures and, and the heat of the summer. So how big of a factor, you know, you, you often hear talking about quality of grass and making sure you're fishing the right grass mm -hmm. and, you know, what, uh, translate that into, you know, what's your perception of that? Well, you know, what I'm looking for is clean water. You know, I, I don't like to fish dirty grass. So the first thing I look for when I pull up to an area or I start looking for a quality area to fish in is what's the water quality like? And I want my water to be fairly clean. Um, <clears throat> the second thing I'm looking for is the, the high current area. And what the high current is going to give you is good grass with canopies underneath of it. And what I mean by canopy is that the grass isn't, isn't grown all the way as thick from the top 
to the bottom. Gotcha. So it's more or less going to create more, more or less some shade with some air pockets in it. That's exactly correct. And those fish are going to utilize those areas, and, and they're going to be more vulnerable to an angler's presentation than, than some of the other areas would be. And that's why, you know, as anglers, we're going to have better success looking for those types of conditions. Well, in your opinion, Kurt, does grass have a significant effect, whether it be positive or negative or neutral, on the oxygen content that's directly around um, around the stalk or the, or the grass bed itself of the water? Well, you know, the grass is definitely producing oxygen, so it's it's a benefit as far as the water quality. What you do have to be careful of is, is a lot of, of um, recreation um, departments and, and resource departments of the states and local agencies, you know, they'll spray, you know, grass a lot of times. And you need to stay away from those areas because that's depleting oxygen. That's depleting the cover. So it, it is very important. The grass, you know, creates such a huge... Uh, a place for for small bait fish to live, for you know plankton, um, small microscopic organisms that the bait fish and crayfish and everything else can live on, of course, and that's why the bass are moving in there to feed and and take advantage of those opportunities. So, uh, you know, it's hard to explain how important grass could be, but if you go back and look at uh, lakes that have had grass and then didn't, and then maybe the grass came back, like Gunnersville, you can see just such this big cycle of fishing and how well the fishing is when there's grass versus when there's not. Sure, sure. It can sometimes make it a little uh, more difficult, I guess, on us anglers, but ultimately the end result, once you figure them out, man, it's, it's like load the boat, you know. Yes, that's exactly right. It's probably it's probably some of the most fun you can ever have. Oh, it you know, is. When you're fishing the grass, you know, especially in the, you know, we talked earlier, you know, about the post spawn, you know, quickly again there, you know, some of the best techniques, we talked about crankbaits and, and um, spinnerbaits, and, and the frog is such an awesome technique that really works great that time of year. That moves right into the summertime where that frog continues to work, but then it transforms a little bit into that punching pattern that we just talked mm-hmm. about as well. And then, again, when you're moving into the fall, that grass is going to start changing again. Of course, it's going to start breaking apart, and you're going to get, be able to use your moving baits a little bit better in those areas. And the fish become more active and feeding much better in the fall time. And, again, it can create a, a wonderful time to be out there fishing any kind of grass like that that might be in, in one's area. You know, it just amazes me of how quickly when you talk uh, about you've done a great job of, of establishing, you know, how this the cover changes. But And when you stop and think about it, you know, grass can grow, it, it comes and goes, I mean, just as quickly as what it came. I mean, it can grow several inches in a day, and then it's like when you get that first cold snap, I mean, you can automatically tell what's what's taking place. It doesn't take long, and that stuff, you know, retreats, and then it opens up a, a whole new world, you know, underneath the mat. That's exactly right. Usually in our, in my neck of the woods, you know, here in Virginia, we see that start to happen in September. And um, the first indication are those big mats you start to see floating down the river. You, you start to notice, hey, you know, things are breaking up, things are starting to change, and, and you can take advantage of those times. Um, sometimes some of the advantages you can take with that is it to move away from the grass and start getting on some of the hard cover, um, like wood, docks. Uh, rocks, channel bends, uh, ledges, those types of things can become key that time of year and, and later in the fall as the grass starts to die off. The oxygen content, as we previously talked about, isn't as high or, or is being taken away because the grass is dying. And then all of a sudden, you know, again, the pattern changes once again and and the fish become more active and, and you can still fish the grass that's green 
and then you can move away from the grass that's starting to die, and those fish will start relating to that hard cover. Um, in our last, you know, it's hard to believe we're almost out of time, but in our, our, our closing minutes here, you know, how do you make sure that you're more or less setting yourself up for a productive day? Um, well, for me, the best thing to do is to go out with a great mental outlook. I mean, for me, that's the most important thing. You've got to believe that, that you are going to go out and have fun. Um, the next thing is to trust your instincts. If you believe that you need to go over and look at an area because it looked good from a distance, you should probably pick up the trolling motor and turn on the outboard and go over there and take a look at it. And what's going to happen if you can follow your instincts um, and, and assess what's going on day by day, you're going to run into an area with some quality fish and be able to, 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 to dissect exactly what's going on and have a productive day. That's what it's all about. It's fun. It is. It's an awesome time. I can't explain how, how much I love fishing grass lakes or grass rivers. Anywhere there's grass, you know, I feel confident. I love to fish it. And, and if people go out there and, and maybe, you know, they're not feeling really confident, they don't have a lot of grass, and they go to a lake with some grass, take some of these techniques and, 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 and read more and just study about it and just try some different things, eventually you'll start having some success. And you'll, I think, love it, too. I mean, grass fishing is just some of the best, and it has some of the most fish in any of our lakes in the country. Where there's grass, you always find bass. That's right. Well, I, uh, I'm, I'm counting on it uh, when we get back together to, to fish on the Potomac that we're going to get to try some of these principles. And uh, looking very forward to that, Kurt. But in the meantime, certainly want to thank you for, for being part of the edge. Wish, uh, wish you continued success, and I know you've got Toho coming up here in, yep. in a few weeks, so best of luck there, and, and uh, we'll see you soon. Great, Aaron. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You Bye-bye. Bet. Aaron, i got to tell you, he really knows a lot about a lot of different stuff. He does, and, you know, his forte um, is really the, the title, title systems. You know, last mm-hmm. year in Season 1, had the opportunity to fish with him on the Hudson, which uh, the Hudson, as you know, is, is a tidal river. Uh, we're going to be able to have that uh, another experience on a tidal stream with him, which is going to be on the Potomac. And, you know, the unique thing is that uh, BASS just uh, about a week ago uh, got done at the Potomac from their elite event, and Kurt did, uh, did very well, cashed him a $10,000 check. So it certainly proves that, that he knows what he's doing. Yeah, well, you know, I had no idea that the hydrilla and the milfoil and grasses like that actually grow seven inches per day that's amazing to me well and and yeah and that's just that's pretty much an average i mean i've i've heard i've literally seen i know when we were in all wachita uh i was fishing with bud pruitt and he was on a on a had this grass bed located and because of the, the water fluctuation that uh that was moving up and down and and that he came back and he said one day it grew over a foot. Wow. And he said it just completely topped out and completely changed the dynamics of, of the spot that he was fishing. So uh, it, it is. It's pretty amazing, you know. And one of the other things that a lot of people don't realize is what grass does, like Kurt pointed out, uh, with regards to, you know, oxygen in the water and, yep. and how that affects fish. Well, I mean, I think, you know, fish have got to love that, don't they? Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, and, and, you know, one of the things is that if you'll notice – um, you know, on cloudy days or, or where it's really overcast or especially at night, the uh, grass actually will, will consume or f- deplenish the oxygen content that's, that's in the water. So what happens is, obviously, if that's taking place, 
you know, a bass isn't going to be up as tight in that grass because the oxygen content is, has right. dropped so much. You know, now on sunny days, that's why you hear a lot of times that when it's bright and bluebird sunny, not only because of the shade that that grass provides, but it's also because that, that healthy grass is actually producing oxygen. So it, it's, a, it's a double whammy to draw the bass up in there. Is One is because of the shade, and then secondly is because that grass is actually producing, you know, oxygen um, the way that the, the, their system works. So. See, that's why I like hanging around you. I learned something in 40-something years of being on this earth. I never knew that. Well, you know, I mean, and it's, a, it's all taught, you know, I, I pick it up from other people. It's just, mm-hmm. uh, you know, thankfully we have not only scientists but other fishermen that, you know, that share that information and, and kind of go over that. And, you know, the other thing, Dan, that I really got a lot from is, and especially somebody that didn't grow up in an area that's plentiful with, with grass lakes, is that there's certain things that you want to look for uh, when you when you fish grass. One is like Kurt had pointed out, you know, any time that you have uh, current that's moving, and especially in the summertime, that movement of water is is attractive, you know, to bass. I mean, if you have uh, just stale, you know, uh, where you see that water that's got that film on the top of it, it's not that that's bad water, but if you have any water that is moving, that presents two things. One is it's going to present probably a lower water temperature, but also it's a great ambush point uh, if you have some isolated grass or structure that those fish can stage on. They can gain shelter. Uh, they can be more comfortable with, uh, with how they live, but then also as that bait fish or that prey comes by, uh, it sets up on a, on a perfect ambush point. Sure. Well, I tell you what, I got a lot out of that interview, and I know our listeners will too, and that's really exciting. I can't believe it. We've got to take another break, folks. Eric, can you hang on? I sure can. You hang on, folks. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to have more entertaining information right here on The Edge. You've got the truck. You've got the toys. Now it's time to get the hitch that gives you more time to play with both. It's the tow and stow receiver hitch by B&W. You want options? Select the ball size, adjust the height to level the trailer, or stow it out of the way in just seconds. It's 10,000 towing pounds worth of durability, convenience, and the latest technology that has made B&W famous. The Tow and Stow Receiver Hitch by B&W. Call 1-866-BEST-HITCH. Welcome back to The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge. All right, welcome back to The Edge. It's one of my favorite times of the whole podcast, and I, I think Aaron's warming up to it as much as I am. That is the product giveaway and a listener email. That's right. Yeah, are you warm? You feel I'm, good? Yeah, oh yeah. Are you in a good place? Yeah, well, I'm. I'm. I'm in a happy place. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this week's winner is going to get a Cook's Go To Tackle System. Aaron, what is that? It uh, it's one of the hottest things out there right now. I know we've had problems even uh, keeping them on the shelf, but uh, Daryl Cook, the inventor of this, came up with a just a fantastic way to not only convert unused space uh, within your boat to viable storage systems, but uh, also, what it does is it allows you to keep your plastics, your jigs, and your spinnerbaits uh, right under the lids. Um, handles very, very well in rough water. Don't have to worry about them falling off, but uh, keeps them very well organized. You just reach down, open the lid, grab the bait, and uh, get it tied on versus trying to dig through your tackle system. So it's just right, a fantastic, fantastic system. That's neat. And our winner this week, I believe, is Larry from Kansas. Is that correct? That is correct. Yep. So congratulations to Larry. Hey, on a side note, too, uh, Aaron and Don wanted me to tell everyone out there they would love to hear from you that have won prizes from the podcast over the last year. They want to know what your thoughts are on the products. And, you know, Aaron, it's always good to get testimonials from the listeners. It is, you know, and we want, uh, other than just the Bass Edge opinion, 
uh, on these. You know, we want to get some feedback. We'll be uh, starting shortly uh, some product reviews and some things like that. We'd love to get some testimonials from um, ultimately the anglers that use them. So well, there you go. So make sure you go to bathedge.com and get those to us if you can, folks. And then this week's listener question, Aaron, is from who? Jeff out in California. Jeff from California. What's Jeff want to know? Jeff has a has a. It, you know, it amazes me, Dan, on on the questions that uh, uh, we get sent in. I mean, they've not a single one of them have been uh, anything less than stellar. And and Jeff's question is, what type of presentation would you use when targeting bass that are deeper than 20 feet? And here's the caveat: other than a drop shot. So oh, I've got this covered. That's right. You know, and I'm, I named off three, and I, I, I did a little uh, poll amongst our anglers, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, definitely the football jig, uh, which what that is is that is just basically the regular jig where it gets its name football is because the head is shaped like a football. Mm-hmm. And normally select a three-quarter to one-ounce model. That allows that bait to get down, you know, on lakes that have long tapering points with, you know, gravel on them. Uh, you can really, the key there is to stay in contact with the bottom, and there's so many different ways. Uh, we've done actually done a show and then also uh, some articles on BassEdge.com concerning this, but you can actually drag those. You can hop them, meaning to where you can pop them, you know, two to three feet off the bottom, allow it to come back down, create a reactionary strike, or you can do a, a real quick uh, what they call, like in Kentucky, stroking a jig to where you, you drag that like you would a Carolina rig, but it's going to shoot across the bottom. It pauses. A lot of times those fish will, will pick that up right there, and they're great just to work through uh, work through cover over rocks. That head design is going to keep them from, you know, from uh, really minimize getting getting tangled uh, up in in the rocks or in the brush. Another thing is that I think that is that we don't hear a lot about is going to be a big spinnerbait. What I mean by a big spinnerbait, I'm talking about a heavy ounce and a half to two ounce spinnerbait. Uh, you can throw those, you know, on a single. Uh, uh, like a single willow leaf, or a, I prefer a, a Colorado blade, something that's going to give a big vibration. You make that long cast out there, and you got to be careful because you can throw those things, you know, especially on those Arden reels, you can throw those things a mile, but then you just let them sink. I like to let them sink to the bottom, and then I'll just barely reel that, and that's what's meant by slow rolling is where you're going to stay in contact, whether it be with the bottom or if you have some grass that's coming up three or four foot off the top uh, to where you're just ticking the tops of that. And I'm telling you, when they load up on a big spinnerbait, normally, if you get bit, it's going to be a good fish. Uh, and then the, the third choice that I often like, and you can actually fish this two different ways, and that is just going to be a spoon in a white or a chrome color, depending on the cloud cover that's out there. You can pull over a school of fish, just like you would with a drop shot, and you can fish that vertically, use your electronics to watch that, locate that school of, of uh, bait fish as well as bass that's feeding down there, and pop that up through uh, that school or you can actually make a cast, and just like you would a spinnerbait or a crankbait, you make a cast out, you do a countdown, decide on like this time of year, you know, let's say if the thermocline or uh, the fish that seem to be holding, let's say, are 30 feet, uh, you know, you just do a, a 9 or a 10 countdown uh, with that one-ounce spoon and let it sink, and then you just you fish it like you would a kind of like a jerkbait. You just mm-hmm. do a, uh, a real fast reel and then a pause. And then you'd reel about five cranks as fast as you could and then pause. And that, that starting and stopping, that's a reactionary bite. They see that bait fish that's, that looks like it's going to get away. And again, it's just another very, very effective way to, to reach those fish and, and get a reaction strike. And especially in clear water, don't forget that just because those fish may be holding deep uh, under the right conditions, a lot of times those fish are looking up too. So don't forget the crankbaits, you know, the big uh, DD-22s, uh, that type of thing, because those fish will come up to, to hit that bait. 
Absolutely. Well, those are three grid types, and I know that uh, Jeff should, and everyone else should appreciate that, and that beats what I was going to say. <laughs> I'm not even going to answer Yeah, it. I'm not even going to repeat Yeah, I know. You, I, I could tell you were afraid when yeah, I said it the I, first time. You're making me nervous. <laughs> hey, so. folks, don't forget to send in a question or a comment, and you will be in the weekly drawing as well. Simply send an email to podcast at bassedge.com with your name and address in the body of the email and uh, we'll get you in there. Hey, we need to take our final break, and when we come back, we're going to join Bass Edge editor Steve Brigman, and uh, we're going to hear some more stuff from the great ICAST show. And Aaron, I'm excited. Are you excited? Absolutely. I mean, some of the things that he's gotten uncovered out there, I think, uh, I know I certainly appreciate it, and I'm sure our, our listeners will too. He's done a great job. Folks, we'll have Steve when we come back right here on The Edge. When I'm fishing in a tournament, time is critical. I need fast, easy access to my lures. My Cook's go-to tackle system keeps my bait organized, tangle-free, and within easy reach. It installs in minutes under any deck lid, maximizing the storage space in my boat. And its durable construction lasts even through the harshest conditions. Get organized with Cook's tackle system by calling 1-888-390-8780 or online at cooksgoto.com. I'm with Ben Hobbins here at ICAST, and Ben's with the Lake Resources Group, and looks like he may, they may have invented a worm that'll save us all a lot of money. Tell us about your project, Ben. All right. Um, this, this particular lure here is what we call ironclad technology. Um, ironclad technology is actually a reinforcement technology that we developed with the University of Wisconsin Mechanical Engineering Department in their Polymer Research Center in developing a product that would be almost indestructible um, out in the field, but also have the benefits uh, to the environment in the sense of not losing the 30 million pounds a year that we're currently losing as sports fishermen. Uh, the environmental side is obviously clear for fishermen. If we're using these, we're going to uh, save our lakes and streams, some of the plastic refuse, but also um, the ability of these lures, of the clad lure series, shad clads, worm clads, grub clads, sankle clads, tube clads, the advantage of these lures is that they stay on your hook. So if you're a tournament fisherman and you're constantly changing lures with conventional soft baits, here these lures lock on. You will not be changing lures. You won't have to re-rig. You'll actually be able to fish, probably get two to three times more casts in over a tournament period, obviously having a good chance of winning that tournament and catching more fish uh, by way of the technology. Um, Again, what we, we did recently is we competed in the Governor's Business Plan Contest in the state of Wisconsin and finished in the top 10 for advanced manufacturing. I'm an avid fisherman. I'm an environmental outdoorsman. doesn't mean I'm a tree hugger. It just means that I'm concerned about the environment. In the past, I didn't like to use soft baits in general because we're losing them all the time. They're floating around, going to the bottom. We see them washed up everywhere. These do not do that. These will actually stay on the hook and all fishermen and everyone else that comes into contact with these has dropped their jaws at looking at the potential. The gentleman I'm standing here with now, um, when he saw the demonstration, couldn't believe his eyes at the 50 or 100 pounds of lean back strength. We still couldn't get even the hook to bend off, but we're cutting up our hands with the leader demonstration we're doing. Well, I know. I, I was pulling on that a little bit earlier with your booth, and and it's just incredible. I couldn't pull it. I couldn't pull it apart. And I, uh, getting a few years on me, but uh, you know, uh, thought I might be able to pull that worm apart, and I couldn't. 
you've got a whole series of ironclad soft baits out there. Talk to me about the series. It's a, it's a wide range, is it not? It's a quite wide, wide range. Uh, typically for all of us fishermen, um, sometimes we get sucked into buying so many different brands and sizes. We're kind of focusing on four, four sizes, a two inch, a four inch, a seven inch, and maybe a 10 inch uh, game fish series. Um, simplifying with our product lines, we've got five um, clad series. We have chad clads, the worm clads, the tube clad, clads, the grub clads, and the senko clads. Those five product uh, designs that we have out are typical to the conventional ones you'll find out there. Again, the difference are we're not selling, selling them in packs of 10 because that would be ridiculous. You'll be stocking those things for a long time because you'll never be using them up. Here, um, we're selling them in two packs, even one packs for the bigger ones. And, you know, the idea here is that these fish, when they come in to strike these lures, they can, not only can't pull them off, but you'll be able to pull them in. Get them into the boat, get them into the net. Even if they don't get their teeth in the hook sets, they hang on to that lure, it's not going to get ripped off. You'll get them up to the boat, they'll clamp on and yank at that thing, even without being hooked, and you'll get them in the net before they even knew what hit them. Now, as far as hooking this, uh, say in a traditional Texas style, can you hook it that way and expect the hook to come through on the fish? Yes, we can. One of the beauties of this technology, the reinforcement technology, is that you can hook it anywhere on a worm. Let's say a worm clad, you're looking at a wacky worm style horizontally if you lay it horizontal you can hook that clad lure anywhere you want and fish it and it locks on so it will not come off okay if you're doing a carolina rig you can hook it from one horizontal end through the center and bring it around and just pop that little hook right in the top when a fish clamps down on it that hook will come through on the hook strike and on the setting okay fantastic anything else you'd like to tell me about your product um at this point i'm just really excited to have the opportunity to speak with you um, and your network and to be able to release this technology at ICAST 50 which is a mix of the traditional old timers club at this point just about they're not old timers they're right. great old guys right. but then, then there's us younger guys like us here that have contributed something that's a breakthrough technology right. similar to what they did in their time so we feel that we've got a breakthrough just as they did 50 years ago when they started doing these shows. Uh, how is this going to uh, price compared to conventional worms? Yeah, price-wise, um, we'll be selling, for example, a 7-inch worm clad um, for $6.99 to $7.99 suggested retail price for two, a pack of two. Now, you instead of buying a pack of 10 at the same price, you'll have two, but these will last forever, just about. I mean, not forever. They will not biodegrade in your box. Okay, these are not our first lines are not scented or biodegradable in the sense of being biodegradable. So you don't have to worry about that problem of rusting out uh, hooks and other things in your tackle box, things getting wet. So you will have solid uh, lures here that are actually soft baits but are similar to hard baits in the sense you'll snap off. That's how you lose them, you'll snap off on snags or fish. Well, I know how many worms I've lost and, and I'm anxious to, uh, to to hook one of your worm clads and on my line and, and, and get out there. Hey Ben, I really appreciate your time. It's a great looking product. Thank you. <laughs> I'm here with Kim Smith of American Rodsmith and, and she caught my interest with uh, one of the new products that uh, uh, Americans come out with uh, this year and it is a, uh, it's a youth rod. It's a rod especially made for, for uh, our younger anglers. Uh, Kim, tell me about the differences that would, that would make this rod 
suitable to a, a smaller fisherman. Well, a young angler, let's say coming up, needs to learn how to fish. It's made with 32 million modulus graphite, which means it, it has sensitivity in reference to the resin that's in it. It does not bend and fold in circles, but they actually learn how to feel the bite, set the hook, and get the fish in in a timely manner where it's not running around and, you know, you're, because they get bored with fighting it for too, period, too long a period of time. So the fish is there, they're happy, the rod's a great quality, it, it's made for our young series anglers. Is this a, a direction that your company's going in, is to pay more attention to the younger anglers? Absolutely. They are our future. They are what we all live for, or what we should be living for. We should give them something to do with quality tools. You have your young folks that play sports. They have quality bats, quality tennis rackets. Well, why not present them with a quality fishing rod as well? Okay, uh, and, and we're talking about quality here, and it is a very fine rod, but this is not going to break Dad's uh, pocketbook either. Oh, absolutely not. The, the suggested retail on it is forty-nine ninety-nine. Uh, again, it comes with a warranty that you know is, is comparable to anybody else's. You snap that tip, you send it back to me, and I'm going to take care of you. Great. Thank you Thank very you much. So much. I appreciate it. Speaking with Maurice O'Rourke of Reaction System, and Maurice has been showing me a uh, uh, a trolling motor system. Explain ex explain your system here to me. All right. Our reaction system is a dual throttle control for Minn Kota and Motor Guide trolling motors, and it's an upgrade, an aftermarket upgrade that can be installed to give the angler the ability to compensate for wind or river currents affecting boat control. With two throttles, it's so easy to compensate just the tap of your normal foot pedal tap switch. Okay, two throttles. Just tell me about that and how that works. Well, the low range throttle is your main throttle, and if you set up a low range crawl for a slow, like we used to do with a tiller motor, that's a very quiet way to operate a trolling motor, and it's very efficient on your batteries. You literally get double the time out of your batteries. So now what we've done is given you a second throttle, the high range or compensating throttle, and that allows you to compensate when you get a dirty gust of wind. Instead of having to throttle up and down, just activate your normal foot pedal tap switch. And tell me about the advantages of this as far as cavitation in the water. Well, the cavitation issue comes when it, with any higher thrust trolling motor. When you hit about 70% pounds of thrust, 70 pounds, when you hit 30% of your throttle range, that'll activate on you. You'll cavitate and scare fish before you want to. You, want, you don't want to announce your presence. So to avoid that, we can run the low range throttle at a very, very low crawl, barely moving the boat. And then when we want to move ahead or compensate for wind, you can activate the high range up to 70% thrust. No cavitation, it's eliminated. Okay, so, so, so this application would be good for any, say, bass fisherman who's just uh, fishing to leave the low throttle on and to use the higher throttle whenever needed? Absolutely. The idea is to still give you that momentary operation that people like to use, on, off, on, off, except we don't stop the prop. We leave it at a bare-bones crawl, and that keeps it from one, it eliminates the starting currents that normally are associated with on-off operation, so double the time out of your batteries. And number two, no cavitation. You can get right up to 70% thrust and it's gone. Okay, a guy wants to put this on his trolling motor. Uh, does he buy this and put it on himself? or Certain models, our electric steer models, uh, some of those can be done. They just buy it right out of the kit and the package. They take that home and they're ready to go. Uh, our other models are done through service centers. They're normal repair centers from Encoder Motor Guide. They can go down and in an hour and a half it's installed and ready to go. Okay, and again, the name of the product? Reaction System. Okay, it just... 
Okay, and that is reaction systems with that? Yes, that it is. They're all reaction system, and we have seven models. And now there's uh, one more coming up for next spring again. Okay. So I tell you what, Aaron, Steve does a great job on those interviews. He does, and you know, the, I love the format that we're doing uh, for the next couple weeks here uh, to where we're actually going to have probably two to three different shorter versions of the interviews uh, versus concentrating on one and just make sure that uh, we get the information out there that that's, uh, you know came out of ICAST. A lot of great stuff. Yeah. yeah i got some homework for you to do. All right. I want to know next week when we do the next podcast, I want to have you say if you had to limit yourself to 20 baits, what those 20 baits would be going into a tournament. Ooh. One so you, I got a little homework this after right, while you classifying. I mean, is it bait classification, or are we just talking uh, actual twenty baits? Twenty baits. Your favorite or your top twenty baits, and what you would do through a whole week of fishing. Okay. I've had three or four people ask me. You know, they can't take everything with them. What is the? You know, what's the top ten? Let's do the top ten. That'd be easier for you. Let's okay. do the top, top 10. ten. What you would take on a tournament when you had to fish for a big chuck? Actually, it's a great question. I mean, because it's about simplicity, and right now you walk into any tackle shop, it's pretty intimidating. But, uh, yep. you know, I, I often think about when, when I'm out there fishing, there's there's certain baits that I go to all the time. So, I no, I'd be happy to do that. All right, so we'll do that on the next podcast there for you folks. And I can't believe it. Once again, we're all out of time now. We're going to have another great show for you next time, and we're going to have some more interviews from the ICAST in Vegas. And, of course, as always, Aaron's going to be giving some great stuff away. You're so good about that. You know, I do what I can. <laughs> you do. You're just a good guy. But, hey, in the meantime, folks, make sure you visit us at www.bassedge.com. And uh, we need to get out of here. So for Aaron Martin and I, this is Outdoors Dan. Thanks for listening to The Edge, and we'll see you next time. This week's edition of Bass Edges, The Edge, has been brought to you by B&W Trailer Hitches. Cook's Tackle Management Systems, Locker Bar Boat Security Systems, and MegaWare Keel Guard. For more information on Bass Edge, including our television show, training materials, e-newsletter, and podcast, please visit www.bassedge.com. <laughs>